takes about 10 pages of that book. I knew we'd never cover all of that tonight. And so the list that I put here, uh, we won't cover every name that's in this list, but uh, this is the main grouping of names uh, that Jesus has. There are names regarding his deity. Jesus is God. Someone said, how can God have a son? It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You say, well, how do you explain that? The best way I can explain that is how God created us. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, God said, let us, plural, make man in our plural image. How many of you believe that all there is to human life is what you can see, the body that you can reach out and touch? I certainly don't believe that. The Bible teaches me different. There is your soul that lives within your body. And yet, God said, let us make man in our image. Your soul is where your emotions, your will, your choices are made. Often at Christmas time, someone, young man, will come up to a young lady and he'll say, I love you with all of my heart and offer her a ring. And she says, I love you with all of my heart. Now, are you talking about that little muscle inside your chest that goes boom, 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 boom? I mean, it's racing as you would do that, right? Either that or you're a liar, one of the two, amen? And... And if things are going the way they should, her heart should be going boop, 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 boop. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a mutual thing. But when we say, I love you with all of my heart, what we're talking about, I love you with my innermost being. Probably the most exact way to say it would be, I love you with all of my soul. Because that's where everything that happens inside of you goes on. Amen. And yet God said he created us in his image. Where's the third part? Well, that is the spirit of man. Originally, that was a part of you that was meant to have direct communication and fellowship with God. There's only one problem with that. Man sinned. And because of sin, that third part, that spirit, died. The very day that Adam and Eve took of that fruit of the garden. And man was forever separated from God. The reason we're here is Christmas Eve. A celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. His birth was God becoming man, that he might save us from our sins. Amen? Someone said, why did you put that Easter hymn after all the Christmas songs? Well, actually, that's a great Christmas song because that's the reason he was born. He was born to die 
He came that he might redeem us from our sins. The Old Testament word is the word atone. It's the idea of rolling back. The idea of paying the interest, we might say. But not paying the principle. The word redeem means the purchase price paid. Only Jesus could do that. God used the Old Testament sacrificial system. And before that, Abraham would make an altar and he would offer sacrifices. And before Abraham, others would do the same thing. Noah, when he got off the ark, you say, you really believe Noah got on the ark? Oh, I believe the whole Bible. I believe it from cover to cover. I even believe what's written on the cover. It says, Holy Bible. I believe this book is special, that there's no other book in print like this one. You see, he was born for a purpose. He was born to save us from our sins. He was God in the flesh. Emmanuel. The word Messiah is not just the title of a great musical piece. How many of you have ever heard the entire uh, collection that makes up Handel's Messiah? It takes about two and a half hours. All scripture, all songs about what Jesus would do and how he would save us from our sins. The word Messiah means the chosen one. The word Christ is the Greek word. It means the same one, the same thing, the chosen one. It means there is none other name given under heaven among men, given among men under heaven, whereby we must be saved. When the angel told Mary that she would give birth to this special son, she said that holy, the angels told her that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Isaiah calls him the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Many times as Jesus was questioned in his earthly ministry, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders trying to figure out who Jesus was, John chapter 8, he said it very plainly. He said, before Abraham was, I am. In the Hebrew, he would have said, Jehovah. They knew exactly what he was saying. Because the Bible tells us they picked up stones to stone him. He said, because you, being a man, make yourself God. You cannot do that. And yet Jesus, if he did not claim that title, would have been just as dishonest as the people who were trying to stone him. Because he is God. But he also has a whole list of names denoting his authority. As God, he would have authority, amen? We often call him our Lord. Nicodemus said, 
We know that you're a rabbi. We know that you're a teacher. That was a Jewish name for master. He said, you're a teacher. Come from God. In the book of Revelation, he's called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He was called by Pilate the King of the Jews. Nathaniel called him the King of Israel. The writer of Revelation tells us he is the beginning of the creation of God. Not the first created, but the source of creation. Where creation came from, it came from the essence and the power of this man we call Jesus. And yet he identified himself as a human being. When he referred to himself... He used the name, the Son of Man, more than any other title. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? In the book of Romans, he's called the second Adam. He was called the Son of David as he rode the donkey into the eastern gate on what we call Palm Sunday. The writer of Romans called him the second Adam. And he's claimed to be the firstborn among many brethren. You know, why would Jesus want to identify with us? It's because he loves us, amen? Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His love is greater than any man. That's why we call him Jesus. The angel told Matthew, I mean Joseph, his father, in Matthew's commentary there, Matthew chapter 1, thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. He's called the Savior. In the book of 1 John, he's called the Advocate, the propitiation for our sins, the High Priest after the order of Melchizedek. Say, what does that mean? It would take all night to explain that. But what is a High Priest? The High Priest stands directly between man and God. It was not the priesthood of the Levites in the Old Testament. It was the order of Melchizedek that predates the Old Testament priesthood that Jesus comes after and he stands directly between you and I and God. He is the firstborn from the dead. Many other names, and I just want to read a few of them for you tonight. He's called Wonderful. When is the last time you thought of him as wonderful? The counselor. When is the last time you called upon him and asked him to give you counsel and direct your way? The true vine. We are to draw upon him as the branches do from the vine. He is the door. Getting saved is as simple as walking through a door. He is the good shepherd that gives his life for the sheep. 
He was the lamb that was slain, and yet he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the word, the light of the world, the bread of life. He's called the branch in Shiloh in the Old Testament. The stone, the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected. The bright and morning star. The Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. The writer of Hebrews put it this way. He is the author and finisher of our faith. How is he the author? He wrote it with his life's blood. And he finished that faith when he ascended up into heaven and leaving the promise that he would come again to receive us unto himself. If you really want to celebrate Christmas, study the names of the Savior. I want to direct this just to one verse of Scripture tonight. Though in naming the names of Jesus, we've covered hundreds of verses of Scripture we would have no way of going through every scripture that we have alluded to tonight. But I want you to go to Acts chapter 16 and verse 31, a verse, if you do not have it memorized, you ought to put it into your heart and soul. Very unusual story, especially to talk about on Christmas Eve. Paul and Silas were in the city of Philippi a city of Macedonia. They had been given direction by God to go there and to preach the word. And because of their stand on the word, they were put in prison. Unjustly, falsely accused. They were beaten. Their backs were bleeding. Their clothes had been destroyed with the uh, violence that they had suffered. Their feet were now made fast in the stocks. They were in the innermost part of the prison where the rats were biggest and the night was darkest. There was no sanitary conditions, no food, no water, no medicine for their cuts. Read the entire story. It's a wonderful story. It's a little gory at the beginning. They suffered all of these things for the testimony of the babe in the manger. Amen. Amen. And what did they do? The Bible tells us that they sang praises to God after they had suffered all of these things in Jesus' name. You see, they don't look at, didn't look at suffering like you and I do. We look at any difficulty that comes our way as some form of punishment. God may actually be using it as an opportunity for his word to go forth. God's interested in saving souls, my friend. He was so interested in the jailer in the city of Philippi that Paul and Silas had to suffer all of these things and be locked in the prison. And finally, in the middle of the night, God sent an earthquake and opened the prison doors and broke the chains off the prisoners. And the jailer came out 
and seeing the door open, could only think of one thing. Everybody ran away. Well, see, the Romans had a really neat way of taking care and making sure jailers did their work. If you let the prisoner escape, you served his sentence. Let me tell you, very few prisoners escaped Roman jail. It would mean instant death once he was put in the jail with the prisoners. And so he drew his sword to end his suffering that he thought he would have to endure. And it was Paul that called out of the darkness to him and said, we're all here. Do thyself no harm. It says, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Verse 28, verse 29. Then called he for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What a question. What a question. Verse 31, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. That word believe is a very simple word. We make it really complicated today. May I illustrate it as simply as I know how? How many of you, before you came in here and sat down in the seat where you are, got down on your hands and knees and looked under the pew and wanted to see all of the joinery there and make sure that that seat was uh, secure, that it wouldn't fall apart and injure you when you sat in there? Did, did anybody do that tonight? You know Why? Because you believed the seat would hold you up. You sat in the seat. And guess what? It worked. Nobody fell out yet. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, what you're, trying, what you're doing is you're sitting your soul in the seat of his love and expecting him to carry you through and past the judgment of God. Can you rest your soul in the love of the Savior? He was born in Bethlehem's manger to show you his humility. He endured the cross to show you his willingness to suffer on your behalf. He rose again from the dead to show you his power over your sins and over all sin. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you be willing? Have you called him Lord? That means master. 
Lord denotes ownership. How many people flock to New York City? I'm not going to have anybody tell me what to do. My favorite is, I'm going to do it my own way. I'm joining the Marine Corps. Now, if that's not silliness, I don't know what is. But if you're going to call him Lord, you know what that means? You're no longer in charge. He is. It means he has the right to tell you what to do, how to do it, how to live, where to go. Wait a minute, not the preacher. I got enough to do taking care of my own self. Amen? You've got to go directly to Jesus. He'll give you that direction. You can't have two lords. I like to call it, you're giving up the right of the final decision. You know, everything we do in life, we claim the right. We believe in self-determination. But when I get saved, I turn that right over to the Lord. That's what it means. Are you willing to surrender to Him tonight? You know, sometimes as a human being, we have to do that on a daily basis, don't we? That's why he said you need to take up your cross daily because he needs to be Lord every day. The next part of his name there, it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? Jesus simply means Savior. That's what the name means. How many people are trusting in how many things to get to heaven? Somebody said, but I'm as good as my next door neighbor. How many of you would like to use that standard? I don't even want to know what my neighbor's doing. Amen. I want them to go to Jesus and tell him what they're doing. Amen. I am so glad that I don't have to hear You tell me every wrong thing you've ever done. Somebody said, Pastor, if I told you about my life, it'd just shock you. Uh, I still have my hair. And I'll keep it too. That's what the barber says. You're not going to shock me. But I'm non-topical in that discussion, my friend. You've got to tell the Savior what you've done. That's what it means to call him the Savior. Is to believe that he will save you from your personal sins. The last is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is so simple. But he must be the only one. He is not a Lord Jesus. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. There are not many roads to heaven. There's only one. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. You know what? It doesn't only work for important people like the jailer. It works for everybody who can believe on his name. You know what? The greatest expression of love that I can give to another human being is to tell them about God's example of love. That on earth began in Bethlehem's manger. Christmas time. He lived. He willingly shed his blood to pay the price for my sins and for yours. And he rose again. You know what? I can't call him my brother until I first call him my Lord and my Savior. There are people that have argued over the years and they say, well, you, you don't understand. Do you live a perfect life? Well, no, I don't. Do you? Well, um, no, I, I don't either. Well, he can be my Lord even though I'm not the perfect servant because he's my Savior. He paid the price for all of my sins, not just some of them, amen? And he is the only one. He is the Christ, and he is the one whom I will serve with my life. That's what church is all about. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Let me ask you a question. What do you call him? Is he your Lord? Have you surrendered yourself to him? Is he your Savior? Is he the Christ? Of your life. How many of you could use a little more. Of his counsel. In our lives. How many of us would benefit. From the wonderfulness. Of the savior. Influencing. The way we think. And the way we understand what's around us. How many of you would like to see the mighty power of God displayed through the way that you live? Well, you have to start by surrendering to him and asking him to save you. How many of you remember the day when you got saved? Amen? Mine was August 28th, 1977. You say, how do you know that you got saved? I just obeyed what the Bible said. You know what? I'd prayed a thousand prayers. But you see, it's not praying a prayer that saves you. It's surrendering to His Lordship that saves you. It's understanding He's the only Savior. It's stop trying to help Him save you. That's what His name means. Over the years, I've seen the Lord manifest himself 
in so many of these ways that he is listed here in an, from the pages of our scripture. He has been the light in the darkness. Amen. He has been the bread that gives us life. The chief cornerstone upon which we can anchor our lives. Knowing that we're headed in the right direction because the cornerstone determines the direction of every stone that is placed in the building. He's been there before me. He wrote my faith with his life's blood. But he finished that faith. And he's waiting in heaven until we join him. What will you call him? You don't have to leave this place tonight unsaved. If you'll just surrender to him tonight. The Lord Jesus Christ. One man prayed this prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And in those few words, he did everything the Bible says needs to be done. It's for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. But if you do something in your heart, where is it going to come out? And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Who do you confess to? Praise God, it's not the preacher. It's the Savior. He'll hear your prayers. And he'll save you right here, even this night, before you leave this building. He came as the babe of Bethlehem's manger. He reigns as the Lord of all those who will put their faith and trust in him. And one day soon, he will reign upon this earth as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and all God's people said. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night. and Lord, it is a special night in our minds and in our hearts. A night when we think of the struggles of a young woman and her new husband in a manger, in a, in a barn outside the city of Bethlehem. A little baby was born that would change the history of the world. Yet, Lord, let us not be so caught up in the grand and the main scheme of things that we forget that you want to be individually involved in each individual life that is here tonight. Lord, I pray for those that are in our midst that have not received you as their Savior. Lord, my first prayer would be that tonight would be the night, would be that time when they surrender and simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, as the Bible says. Lord, I pray for others who are hearing and are still confused and have difficulties of this world and the weights and everything that just keeps us from understanding and living your word. 
I pray that tonight would be a step closer to that Savior. And then, Lord, I pray for those who have been saved. Maybe many years having trusted Jesus as their Savior. That they would remember that there is a name for you for each part of their life. And that we need to stop trying so hard and to rest, to rest our souls in the seat of your love. For it is greater than any need that we possess. Lord, we ask you to work and to draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to have Andrew.